WNBA Nation, thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Logan Jones, and with me tonight is Kyle Haywood. What's up, Kyle? Dude, WNBA basketball is what's up. It has been an incredible two weeks, an incredible two weeks of basketball, and I am so pumped to be discussing it with you. Uh, I didn't get to do the last episode uh, with you and Steve, and so I am ready to go. I've got so many takes, so many like observations. I've been psyched all day knowing that you and I are recording tonight and just pumped out of my mind right now. Yeah, man, we'll definitely get to them all. Uh, this is sort of an unspoken sports equinox of the year. I know everybody focuses on the fall, right? Because in October, you've got like like all the big leagues are going on at the same time. You've got like Major League Baseball playoffs and football starting and stuff. But this is actually like a great time. Like the NBA playoffs are going. WNBA is underway. I think some of you saw on Twitter um, on ESPN the other day, the Liberty game was on like the, the backs of the plane seats. And I was like, man, this is, this is what I'm talking about. Like <laughs> flying from city to city, catching WNBA games on easily accessible networks. Like we've come a long way in the last four or five years. Oh, for sure. So I'm excited to dig into all of it. Uh, we can pretty much start anywhere you want. I, it, in terms of recording this, just to give you a little bit of behind the scenes, uh, we just watched uh, the New York Liberty Pull away from the, uh, sorry, not the Atlanta Dream, uh, the Dallas Wings. Right. Um, so that game just went final. In fact, most of the pro basketball reference stats that I'm looking at, I don't think any of them are updated for that game. Right. Um, so this is, this is your, uh, this is your update on the WNBA as of like Sunday, May 23rd, basically. We'll discuss, yeah, we'll discuss that game a little bit, but like we have, yeah, we, like a lot of the stats haven't updated. So if those are yeah. off, that's why, because it happens every once in a while. We'll like say a stat or something that we pulled from a site that didn't include like that day's games. And we're usually recording after games have happened. Uh-huh. So every once in a while, stuff like that happens. Just be patient. It's a podcast. We're not like reporting for ESPN currently. So yeah, <laughs> I said currently so we, we could, we can dream as, but. as a, as today's host, I, I get the, the primary duty of issuing you questions that you aren't prepared for, yes. which, I, which makes me really happy. Um, so I'm going to throw this your way. And if, if neither of these things are the biggest story of the year, you're, you're welcome to contribute your own. But to me, there are two main storylines leading the pack this year. And it's the Connecticut sun starting out the season five and zero, and the New York Liberty starting out five and one, which to you, do you think, deserves the headlining story spot in this episode. Um, I think that, uh, <laughs> that's such a trick question. I think <laughs> New York is the biggest surprise and they've got, uh, Laney and Sabrina Ionescu who are absolutely tearing it up and they're New York and like, like everybody's talking about them. And for that reason, we should definitely talk about Connecticut <laughs> Does that make sense? Disrespected Connecticut, always overlooked. Seems like we always talk about them as though they don't have a standout star. Let's talk about the 5-0 and Connecticut Sun. <laughs> right now, sitting atop the league, even atop the Eastern Conference, because New York got that loss on their record. John Quill Jones playing like a legit MVP candidate. She's the 2017 Most Improved Player. I saw a tweet today saying a most improved player had never been an MVP. Kind of interesting that some mm. of the players playing uh, well early in the season both fall into that category. Uh, so, yeah, John Cole Jones leading the league in a bunch of categories. She's got 40 defensive rebounds. Her team is 5-0. and Kurt Miller in a little bit of hot water with Liz Cambage this afternoon. Don't care about that. Uh, <laughs> what, is, what is your impression of the Connecticut Sun and... Remind me again where we each had them finishing in our final standings this oh, year. I'm gonna our, pull, I got a predictions episode. I got to pull that up real quick. Uh, <laughs> while I'm doing that, I will say this: I do know that Connecticut for me um, has been. I, I can't say I'm surprised because they were they were a team that I thought was going to finish kind of middle of the pack. So I did. 
I did think that they were going to be a little bit more middle of the, Oh, I don't have us like, I don't have it like recorded, like where we each had them. I didn't write that down at all. As far as our actual like orders, I, I'm pretty sure we both had them after Minnesota. I, I believe Seattle. I had them at like six, maybe seven. Yeah. I think is about where I had them. I think I had the Mystics at at seven, and I had Connecticut at six. Um, we we did their preview episode, and I believe we both agreed. You said six to nine. I said six to eight. Like right. we both had them finishing like middle like fringe playoff team. Yeah, middle of the pack. I don't think they're. I I didn't think they would miss the playoffs. I thought that would be like wheels came off, right? Sure. But can can I? Here's the thing: John Quill Jones coming back and Alyssa Thomas leaving. Obviously was, uh, just fine. <laughs> I thought that John Quagga Jones coming back from not having played a season might take her a little bit to warm up. And I thought Alyssa Thomas would be a little bit more missed than she currently has been on this squad. Um, I'd be terrified if I was the league and I knew Alyssa Thomas was coming back like next week. I would be. Absolutely terrified because as good as they are playing right now, and then to add her into that mix is scary. That's my only thing right now is Connecticut five and oh. And last year they started out like what oh and five. They have actually flipped the script here. They started out oh and five last year and then went on a tear during the middle part of the season. Um so I don't I I I have to upgrade them as legitimate like Contender at this point, there's zero reason that they have given for me to doubt them. All right. Um, at this point, would I cu- currently predict them to finish the season as the number one seed overall? I probably still wouldn't predict that. However, no. like I, I definitely feel like, Ooh, maybe having them down at that six, seven range was maybe a little low. And maybe some of these other teams that I had a little higher um, looking at you, Minnesota, um, <laughs> have not looked as impressive. And so that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I'm feeling about the sun. What, what are you, what are you feeling right now about Connecticut and, and, uh, your predictions slash where, what they've shown so far this season? What, what we always say about the sun is still true. They don't necessarily dominate in any one category in the box score. I mean, they're towards the top in a lot of different ones. I know they're second in three point uh, percentage behind the Liberty. Right. Um, by quite a bit because the Liberty are the, the best three point shooting team in the league, but they're right there. They shoot about 40% from beyond the arc. They do a lot of good stuff inside because John Quill Jones is legitimately my first five games of the season MVP right now. Uh, I know there's a lot of bet Nigel, but Nigel Laney lovers out there. I'm one of them, but, um, I don't think you can, you can look at what she's doing at age 27 right now, five games into the season. She's playing 30 minutes a game, 18 and a half points per game, 11 rebounds per game. She's, she's averaging a double double. Yeah. Um, e- easily like with ease, she is averaging a double double. So, um, I really like what she's doing, but it's crazy to me that it's not like, Oh, like they just shoot better than everyone or they force more turnovers or they get more rebounds. They're just consistent across the board. Like any, you go on basketball reference and sort by any stat, they're going to be third or fourth in basically everything good. Um, and defensively, they know how to play together because they're one of the most, I think cohesive teams in the league because they've endured the least amount of roster turnover and least amount of flux in the league, which is so funny to me because the next, I think biggest story in the league is New York Liberty who completely yeah. hit the big red reset button uh, in their off season two years ago. And they went from two wins to already being five and one. So it's hard to talk about Connecticut without the Liberty creeping in. And I apologize because I was just guilty of that. But um, <laughs> legitimately, the, the best team in the league right now, I don't think they're going to be there at the top or at the, at the end of the season. But they're absolutely throwing their hat in the ring for one of those critical first round buys. And what we, we did get one thing right in our prediction episode where we were talking about this team. Probably our team previews where we talked about this. Is they're the last team you want to face in a playoff series. Yes. Like there are other better teams. I think Seattle's going to finish on top of the league this year. We'll get into that later. I think Vegas is going to figure their ish out. Um, there's, there's other probably more complete teams by the end of the season ready to make a title run, but nobody wants to play the sun because if they get one of those first round buys and you got to survive a first, like a, a single game elimination just to, just for the right to play them in a three game series, they're a tough out. They're so well coached. They they play well together. 
if one player isn't hitting, if John Cole Jones is having a, a off night, it doesn't matter. There's three or four players behind her that they can step up and, you know, you, you watch like tonight's game is a good example. You watch a game where Arike Ogumbawale, who's a great player, goes four for 17 from the field. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mabry stepped up and, and hit a lot of shots, but they just don't have the depth to keep up with a good team and win a game. And like the, the sun are just never going to be out of it. They're never out of a game. They're never out of a season. And for two or three or four years now, they've been a legit contender, even though they haven't climbed the mountain. Um, uh, and that's, that's just where they're going to be for the foreseeable future. I agree. Brianna Jones and Dewana Bonner, uh, have big time shouldered a lot of that scoring load. Um, as John quote Jones doesn't, uh, you know, if she does have an off game, but Here's the thing. It's not just them. Like the, the backcourt for Connecticut is really solid as well. Jasmine Thomas, I still think is one of the more underrated players in this league. I think that Jasmine plays just phenomenal basketball on both ends of the court. Um, and Heideman, while not necessarily like all star caliber, you know, type play plays a solid game, you know, has been a little bit, uh, little little rough in the shooting category lately um but in her own right has actually played really really good basketball um and and very serviceable basketball you know during during this season so far so i don't know like there's there's a lot that you could uh there's a lot of different ways that you could go you know but even Heidemann, you know struggles against the aces um struggled a little bit i think the first game Atlanta, did they play atlanta first game yeah, I think it was Atlanta first game, but like the yeah. other games has all has scored in double digits and Heidemann has been really, really solid all through um, those games. And so it's, it's just that classic Connecticut basketball where it's just the next person steps up and whoever any one of these players could go off for a, a 28 and 10 type of night, you know, and that's that's what's scary about Connecticut right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm looking at them and I think they've had the best resume of any team so far. Uh, obviously because they're undefeated. They're five and oh, they beat, let's see, Atlanta by 11 and then they beat Phoenix by eight. And they, yeah, every one of their wins is like, and then they beat Indiana by a bunch and then they beat Phoenix by a bunch and then they beat Vegas by seven. So like it hasn't even been squeaking out, you know, coin flip outcomes and they just end up on top. Like they've been, flexing a little bit on these teams. Now that said, I think they've got the most difficult schedule moving forward of any of the top three teams in the league right now. And by top three, I mean by standings mm. um, because right now I've got the Connecticut sun, you're five and one New York Liberty. And I believe you're three and one Seattle storm. Do I have that right? Yeah. Um, I've got them pulled up They're You know, they're in the fun zone. Fans of those teams are having fun right now. <laughs> you know, thing, things are good. Outlook is good. You're comfortable. Every team on your schedule, you look at them and say, we'll probably win that game. Things are good. Connecticut Sun, of those three teams, definitely, easily. Like, they definitely have the hardest schedule. Yeah. Uh, their next five games are at Seattle, a Mystics team that we don't know a lot about yet, but probably isn't great. At Minnesota, Vegas, and the Liberty, which is a matchup on that's Saturday, a June that's 5th. a tough that's a tough poll right there. Other than the Mystics, which yeah. we'll talk about the Mystics here in a little bit, they've been probably for me. I know that they have technically won a game, but in my opinion, I feel like they have looked the least impressive of just about anybody outside of maybe maybe L.A. L.A. and Washington are probably the two teams that I'm like. Ugh. You know, not not super feeling right now. Yeah, and it's it's hard because yeah, they're the teams that have played the least, and so it's hard to know how to feel about them. But it's right. hard to feel anything positive, certainly. But to me, I mean, that stretch, Connecticut's capable of beating anybody, but Seattle, Vegas, and New York, um, those those are some tough uh, tough competition. And then at Minnesota, I think the Lynx are going to start turning things around. It's just a matter of when. I so agree. You never know yeah. about that one either. Um, compared to, and I will now transition this discussion to our B story today, which is the New York Liberty absolutely being <laughs> just totally fun <laughs> to watch. I mean, they're five and one. We'll talk about their record and who they've played and all that. But the biggest takeaway is that they're just so, like, they're extremely dynamic. And it, it's because they play close games and it's because C Sabrina shows up late in games and does everything she needs to help her team win. But Nigel Laney's probably 
your 1B MVP candidate right now. She's got a six-game, 20-point scoring streak happening, which is unreal. Cool. Um, and they, you know, their resume maybe not as impressive because you've got two wins against Indiana and you have a loss to the Mystics, which, you know, was a 30 point loss against a not very good team. Uh, but also wins against Minnesota and Chicago and then a good one against Dallas. And you know what? Kind of a, a tough road ahead for them too. Uh, they, they get three games against Vegas in the next couple weeks. They play Vegas a bunch, uh, as well as the Connecticut Sun and a game at the Mercury. So they've, uh, they've got a couple home games uh, that I think they can capture, but then a five-game road trip that's going to tell us a lot about what they've really got in the tank. Um, but nothing again, fun zone. I mean, Laney <laughs> is putting up 30, 26, 20, 20, 26. I mean, just unreal. Uh, I know Sabrina is getting a lot of the headlines, which some people are upset about, but a lot of that is uh, because of when she's getting her stats. I mean, obviously yeah. she's putting well, up I mean, good numbers. She had a, she had a triple double quarter. and a buzzer beater. And so that's obviously going to pull eyes. Right. But I also would, I'd also suggest to those people, Laney is getting a lot of attention and deservedly so. Like, yeah. I think both players deserve the attention. And I think a lot of people, every time Sabrina gets mentioned, everybody's like, what about Laney? And I'm like, they can both get attention. They're both doing fantastic right now. Like, why are you upset that they're both getting attention? Like, Laney is, yeah, like probably a front runner for MVP right now. And Sabrina's had some late game heroics as well as a triple double first one ever in the entire franchise. Like, what a, like, what a phenomenal, like, start to the season. Not to mention, like, Michaela Onyemwere, uh, like, absolutely like starting out and looking really solid uh, over these first few games, you know, like not like, not like world beater status or anything, but has had like some solid contributions, you know Uh, I think she's averaging right around like 10 points a game. I want to say something like that. Um, But like, like pretty solid so far. Uh, Yeah. 9.3 points per game. I just looked it up. Um, Like, and she's only playing averaging 20 minutes a game right now. So it's not like it's not like she's getting on the court a ton, but I think that she's playing great as a rookie. I, there's so much to get excited about for uh, for this New York Liberty team. And yeah, here, here's my question, Logan, with uh, with New York. They had a huge blowout loss against uh, the Mystics. And in my opinion, the Mystics have not looked great outside of that one win. Um how much do you play this is as a sports fan how much do you give credence to like revenge emotions coming from different players right like tina charles went absolutely gangbusters in that game against her former team and and basically just willed the mystics to a victory over the liberty like do you play into that storyline like oh that was a very emotional game and that's why things got out of hand or do you think that this kind of stuff just happens in sports. Where do you fall on that line? Uh, it matters a ton. Uh, okay. Some of that is also that the Liberty have been playing awesome, but remember why our expectations were fairly low because they're a brand new team and they're a new unit and they're learning to play together. Like right. Dee Richards, who's already thrown her name into the rookie of the year conversation. She's learning an entirely new offense. She can play defense with anybody, but you know, you've got lots of players learning to play with each other. You're introducing Natasha Howard into the mix this last week. Right. Uh, to some pretty good results, but still, I mean, that there are a lot of things you could draw that up to, but emotion is a strong motivator. And the thing that separates great players from good players is at, at this point, you know, 144. We say that all the time. One out of 144. Every player in the league is capable of riding an emotional high to an outstanding game because every player in the league is a professional athlete at this point. Um, they've all done amazing things to get to where they are. The great players do that every night because they're disciplined. They don't need an emotional motivating factor. They're just, they're locked in every night. That's where you get Brianna Stewart scoring 25 and 10 every single night. Um, so like I, good players can play great a lot. Great players play great all the time. And that's like right now, New York Liberty have a bunch of players with potential to be great. Um, but they, they don't necessarily know how to put it together every night against everybody because they're so new and the Washington mystics, the professional basketball team, like they're, they're having a down season so far, but they're not the Washington generals. Um, (laughs) Like they, they know, they know how to score. 
Tina, Tina Charles is, you know, my pick to, to average a double double this year. Like they, that was a big acquisition. And she has, them, so. she's, she's second in the league in, uh, in points. And where is she? And sixth in the league in rebounds. Like she's, she's pulling down 20 over 25 and then nine rebounds. Tina Charles is absolutely playing phenomenal basketball. She didn't miss a beat. Yeah, she didn't play last season. Tina Charles is still just a phenomenally talented individual who is always going to produce and put up big numbers. And, uh, this is, this is pretty much, you know, this is a, a Mystics team who's doing a lot. Yeah, I, I mentioned they're very underwhelming. We have to keep perspective on the Mystics. They are missing like their three, like three of their biggest names right now. Like they're missing a lot of players. So it's, yeah. So there's, there's more to the story yeah. with Washington, but yeah, overall, well, not we will, impressed. we will learn the truth about both the Mystics and the Liberty in the next. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm projecting like five games out because for a lot of teams, that's about the next mm-hmm. two weeks. Um, the, the Liberty, they've got home games against Atlanta and Vegas and they're at Connecticut, Phoenix and at Vegas and then at Vegas again. So, um, we're, you know, that record might not be as glowing when we get back together a couple episodes from now and talk about it, but they're must watch. I think they're more must watch than anybody in the league right now for pure entertainment factor alone. Yeah. Even if they lose every single one of those games, I believe every single one of those games will be close and have things to talk about after the game that are exciting. No, I, I, I would agree with that. All right, Logan, we're talking about big. Uh, I want to take uh, a quick pause here in the episode. Uh, it feels like we're in a little bit of a transition time. I want to take a quick pause here and I want to have a little bit of a fun discussion with you. All right. There's a lot of players who've definitely, uh, you know, brought a lot of attention to the league and have made some big names. I'm curious and chat, uh, those of you on Twitch right now who are watching along, I have, I want you to answer this question as well. Which WNBA player, not necessarily for your favorite team, but which WNBA player across the league deserves you to buy their jersey at this point in the season? If you were just going off, Oh, who's impressed me? Who's caught my attention? What jersey are you buying based on this point into, into the season? Now, if I wanted to call my shot and have a jersey that I would feel pretty confident is going to be relevant for a lot of years, but I'm getting it now as kind of a, like I knew before everybody else, now is the time to ride the Nigel Laney train mm-hmm. you know, up to its peak. But if you wanted a sure thing, we were just talking about the Connecticut Sun and we didn't want to mention Dewana Bonner. It's Dewana Bonner. Um, there... <laughs> There's so much that she does for that team. And it's, it's irritating to me that we, you know, we talked about John Cole Jones being an MVP candidate. Luana <laughs> Bonner has been in the league for a minute. And I, I think if they ended up doing some things in the, in the playoffs this year, we're all of a sudden going to look back and be like, Oh, all that time we were getting excited about Liberty. And we were like, Oh, Seattle's going to run it back and this and that. I think Bonner is still like almost a niche player, even though she deserves a star treatment. Um, and that's, that's what I like. And I, the way that I took that question, Kyle, is there are a lot of stars in the league mm-hmm. that you could answer. You could say like, well, I don't have an Asia Wilson Jersey. So Asia right. Wilson. or um, Bree Stewart, I, right? Like, yeah, and Bree Stewart's but played I, great. But I, yeah, like yeah, uh, we if, kind if of knew to, what those, we knew who those players were at the start of the season. Yeah. And I like your, I like your Laney take. I think that's a great, and I like your Dewana Bonner take because yeah, the question is, who has grabbed your attention and who has been like, Oh, I'm hopping on this train right now. Cause it's hot, you know, and in, whose Jersey are that, you grabbing? Yeah. In that respect, it's Laney, but because New York, for some reason refuses to sell, um, the, the white <laughs> heroin versions of their jerseys. Oh, they're so good. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say like, I think Bonner deserves more love. There's a constant conversation going on in like W Twitter and W circles about who's, who gets, oversaturated with coverage and who doesn't get enough love and every everybody thinks their favorite player doesn't get enough love. I think everyone would agree like we probably don't see enough Dewana Bonner. Mm-hmm. I think I think Laney is going to get hers this season because the Liberty are kind of breaking out and enjoying a revolution. Uh the Bonner son have just been consistent for years and years and I think it's going to take them winning a championship to really get people to to submit like oh yeah, she is a star in the league. 
I like it. I like it. That's a great call. Um, so I had, uh, I had both of those players actually on my list because I feel like nobody talks about Dewana Bonner, even though she's like one of the best players consistently throughout the league each and every year. And nope, still nobody talks about her. Um, but I, I was going to say Lainey, uh, my second that I would probably, uh, mention is, um, Marina Mabry out of Dallas. Good one. Yeah. I think Marina Mabry is one that like, Holy cow has been an absolute revelation. And, uh, I believe, I, I don't know. I'm blanking on this. I believe it was the sparks that like kind of let her go <laughs> and didn't, didn't have her re-signed and, uh, Dallas picked up on that. And I'm just saying Dallas, Dallas has to believe in the star power, in the star power that she, that she absolutely has. And, uh, I really like that. Um, I want to give a, a secondary shout out to someone. So you and I, when we went to the all-star game, we kind of recognized what diamond to shields was and who she was going to be long-term. Um, I'm going to also bring in another Chicago sky member and that's Kalia copper. Yep. Kalia copper yeah. from last season, right? Last season, like put the league on notice and has not backed down from that. So I'm super, I'm super down with that. Uh, I think Kalia Copper. Uh, let's check our Twitch chat real quick and see what some of the, the, the responses on there were. Um, <laughs> El Rosenberg saying Sophie Cunningham. Yeah. She never ever has mentioned, uh, uh, she never gets mentioned, uh, at all. Uh, El Rosenberg uh, never I mentioned Sophie Cunningham. <laughs> Kalia Copper has legitimate claim for being the most under talked about good player in the league. She's suffering from what I call jewel Lloyd syndrome, which is she plays on a, on a team full of more seasoned vets who have a little more in the trophy case. And every time Chicago does anything is overshadowed by those vets, but is absolutely a critical piece of the formula there. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Cause you've got people like Vandersloot, now Candace Parker, you know, Allie Quigley, diamond shields. You've got big names, and now, you know, Kalia Copper's in there just all just straight killing the game and yep. like nobody's talking about her. And I'm so glad, uh, I'm so glad that, uh, yep. that she is. So let's look at some of these other ones. Uh, yes, yeah, really, uh, Kalia Copper, Magnagor, Mabry. Yeah. Um, just because your, your Mabry take was, uh, it makes me happy because I think one of the things I'm becoming like a cliche about is the third year jump. Like, yeah, that's I look for that. You've mentioned that several times, but yeah. And and now like like she's she's played in a couple games already this year and she went from 4 points in 2019 to 10 points a game in 2020 to 18 and a half in 2021. Yeah. That's the third year jump, folks. Like that's <laughs> and she's and she's jumping up across other categories. She's shooting really well. She's shooting a good percentage from 3 best of her career. Um, really like seeing her trying more threes a game. Dallas is actually scoring a lot of points a game and it's because they're finally, I think they've found some shooters and something that we know because we've talked to Greg Bibb and is an emphasis for them is during these last two years of drafts, um, they've really just tried to find shooting because they want to surround Arike with other scoring weapons. Um, and for a long time, I think on this show, we've said like, Oh, the Dallas wings. How would you explain them in 20 seconds? Well, they're Arike and then a bunch of youngsters. And, you know, we've just kind of roped Mabry into that bunch of youngsters talk without giving her her due. And now is right at, you know, if you were buying stock, buy all the Mabry stock now because it's going to get expensive <laughs> by the end of the season. She so is true. going to be a fixture in the league and probably on that team if Dallas is smart for a long time. Um, and if, by the way, if I'm a Wings fan, we don't have a lot of room for this on on this episode, but... I think good days are ahead. Oh, there's, there's some tough, tough rocky. You're going to have to take your lumps, but some of the numbers that I pay attention to that kind of connote some winning formulas, they're doing it. Uh, they need to, to figure out some ways to play defense against some of these really good, uh, teams that they're going to be facing soon, but, um, they're scoring enough. And that's been, you know, that's half the puzzle. And that's been a piece that's been missing for them for a long time. So. Good job on the Mabry call. I, I think that's a good answer to the question. Um, whose jersey are you going to be glad you have a year or two from now that you can buy right now for, for like, it won't be out of stock on the WNBA website. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, here's a, here's kind of a, 
I guess not really a follow up to it, but since we're talking Mabry and we're talking Dallas, just really quick, can we touch on just for a second, maybe my game of the week or game of the season up to this point, uh, that Dallas and Seattle matchup? I can't remember, Logan, if you were watching that live or if you had to catch some highlights after the fact, but that was the only game on that night and it was an absolute <laughs> thriller of a game uh that Dallas Seattle like matchup they went into overtime had like 400 lead changes in the last like 10 minutes of the game alone it was nuts um we we mentioned before that Seattle kind of holds one of those special spots in our heart you know because uh along with the Phoenix Mercury that was one of two teams that really kind of got us into the league and so obviously it it's we always have a hard time ever cheering against Seattle but I'll tell you in that game I was, I was riding hard for the wings. I was ready to go. Like I wanted them to win that game so bad because I felt like, you know, here's Seattle. That's the defending champs, all these big names and Dallas is out there trying to shock the world and, and trying to bring a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, attention to what they're trying to do there. Dallas has looked much better than their one and two record. Like they look like a team who actually knows what they're doing, um, is, is really on, on pace to find their identity. Um, and they're doing so without, you know, Awok and, uh, um, yeah. Uh, Satu Savali, like they're missing two of their most formidable front court players and they look really good. So I'm excited, uh, when those two players join, join with the wings and, and what Dallas could do long term. I, they've been a pleasant surprise, not record wise, but just what I'm seeing product on the court. Yeah. Dallas is kind of what a rebuild is typically going to look like, right? Which is some patience and some draft picks and some growing pains. And I think Liberty fans are, uh, enjoying kind of skipping over that part and getting right to where you're, you're starting to surprise other teams and you're getting into like the meat of like, are we a playoff team? Like maybe more, can we win in the playoffs? And this is more what it's supposed to look like, like a three year rebuild. They're probably in the middle of it right now. They, they revamp their offense. They revamp their coaching staff. Um, got a lot of good days coming for Dallas, but, um, you know, they're not going to finish bottom of the league this year. They're also probably not going to threaten the playoffs, right. but very interested to see if Mabry could turn herself into uh, a long-term a long-term fixture on that team. That was a good discussion. I always, I'm always down to talk. Who are we not talking about enough? That's, <laughs> that could be a regular segment on the show. Absolutely. Um, so we, we covered Connecticut hot start. We covered New York. I'm sure if you're listening to the show, you're fairly aware of what's going on with the Liberty and Sabrina coming up clutch leading games and the excitement surrounding that team. Now it's kind of time for the, I think the, maybe the least fun the no fun zone um, because <laughs> no because fun teams, zone. <laughs> there are a couple of teams we need to talk about. Maybe we'll keep this much shorter just because we don't want to dwell on the negatives, but I'm cool. Uh, there are some teams that I would like to see a little more life out of, and I'm not sure where to start. We covered the mystics a little bit earlier. They're one in three. They're not having a good time. The Indiana fever have played five games. They're already four games behind first place. That's not good. Um, Los Angeles sparks their own two people want coach Fisher fired. The season is already like in flames for sparks fans <laughs> and the Minnesota links who a lot of us had as a top four or five team. I think even, I think you were Steve. I had them at number highest. two. Yeah. You had them at number two. They're starting off the season. Oh, and three doesn't mean it's over. There's still 30 plus games left, but a three game losing streak is not how you want to instill confidence in the locker room. Which of those teams do you think has most reason to be concerned? Um, I would say L.A. Um, Indiana, we kind of knew. We kind of sure. knew Indiana was going to be down there. So they're expected. All right. So I don't know if I'm concerned because just where expectations were. Washington, we already mentioned they're missing some of their biggest names right now. And so they're kind of really trying to do a lot with particularly on the back uh, and on the shoulders of, of Tina Charles um, Minnesota, while they are and three, I don't just watching their games. I don't feel like it's been like, uh, I, I don't feel like it's a dumpster fire. You know what I mean? Like they're and three. I don't feel like I'm, I'm really, really like freaking out 
if I'm a Minnesota Lynx fan. I think that this is a team that might take a little bit to right the ship. They may not be, end up as high as two like I had them before, but I still feel confident they're going to finish probably in the top half of the of the league. Like I really do feel uh, that with Minnesota. I could be totally wrong and they could miss the playoffs. I still feel like this is a team that has the, the parts to finish top half of the league. L.A. right now, I I just don't... They, uh, it's really hard to pick this team because they've only played two games. They played the least amount of games of anybody uh, in the league. I have to see more, but so far, the small sample size I have, I'm, I'm selling stock in LA fast before it gets, before it drops even lower. And that's just, that's my personal view. Um, Logan, who do you have that, uh, that you're really the most concerned about out of these four teams? And it can totally be a separate, answer than mine. Well, I, I am obviously I'm concerned about the Sparks because I think they're having the least fun of any team right now. I think, as you said, Indiana probably expected a little bit of this. They're, they're excited about their fever jerseys and their, their stranger things look and their, uh, their rookie and stuff like that. Like they're finding ways to be happy knowing that they weren't really set up for a big run. Uh, the Sparks, man, they, they want a new coach. They don't know what to do defensively. They are <laughs> bad on defense. Like they, yeah. Most teams are most teams I would characterize as like, oh, they struggled with this or they had an off night at this. They just don't have an answer for the Candace Parker shaped hole in their defense. Um, and their next five games at Chicago back to back. So two games against a team that is better than them. They are then at Dallas, who we think might have a little spit of spice to them. Well, versus Dallas Indiana. has already beat them by like 15 or yeah. more, yeah, 20, maybe- 20. Five something yeah, like that. They got, yeah. yeah, they got um, smoked. So, so at Dallas and versus Indiana, and then against Chicago again. So, you don't think they're going to sneak any of those games away from Chicago? You're not sure about Dallas and Indiana's you know, probably a go, W. They aren't going to go winless, but yeah, like I. So it's just it's hard because they're they're zero and two, which means our sample size is minuscule. It doesn't mean anything, and I don't think a professional basketball team in the W is going to play that poorly all season. Right. But even if they have a really good next two weeks, they have a mountain to climb to get back into where I, I believe they can be a playoff team. Mm. That being said, they're probably not the team I'm disappointed the most in because I had them as a fringe playoff team anyway. Right. The team I'm a little worried about is Minnesota. Um, they're yeah. struggling from some of the same problems as the mystics in terms of uh, players coming back, not practicing with the team, other commitments. I get that. But even so, I really expected Lynx to, uh, I, I thought their coach, their, their players, Nafisha Collier, I thought everybody on that team was going to have their name in the running this year for all the different awards. Uh, I picked Collier as my defensive player of the year. Cheryl Reeve, like, she, we're pretty confident she's going to write the ship, um, because it's Minnesota. Uh, but it's just, it's digging a hole that you didn't have to dig. Um, and it's, it's really disappointing because if they got off to a hot start, I think they could have put their name in the same conversation as your Las Vegas, your Chicago, maybe your, maybe even your Seattle, although they're, they're going to have a lot of separation. Um, we'll talk about that later, but I, I'm super disappointed. Um, just because I, I thought the Lynx could have done, uh, themselves a lot of favors by starting off hot. Instead, you know, that loss to Phoenix in a really close game hurt and then New York and then Seattle. And now they have Seattle, Connecticut. Atlanta, Atlanta, Washington. So some opportunities there to get back to 500. Um, so their, their schedule isn't treacherous in the next two weeks. Uh, and a couple of those games are going to be easy to watch. Um, so hopefully we will get to see more from them. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I want, uh, I, I don't want them to suffer from the same problems as, as Washington. And now Washington has their big acquisition. Like Tina Charles is out there. Collier isn't out there yet for them. And she's, Maybe a, a bigger, I mean, I thought she was a fringe MVP candidate, but maybe she's even more of a kind of a cog in that team than I thought. Right. Um, it, it seems like nothing goes when she's not out there on the floor. Yeah. So I, I like your, I like your take there because expectations are really high in Minnesota. I think Nafisa not playing is really, really big. Um, I, I think because of watching the games, obviously it was a really close game, that game against Phoenix. You know, they only lost by two. It really came down to 
DT hitting a three, you know, and I would say as time expired, but the clock was paused. So, um, you know, it, take, it takes a Diana Taurasi late game heroics to, 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 uh, you know, away from, from that, uh, taking that W away from them. And then the other two games, like when they played against New York, New York was, we've just talked about how New York's come out, out and, and been an absolutely hot, hot team. And so, you know, a Minnesota team that's missing, um, Nafisa Collier, sure. Like, Maybe you can lose to a really hot New York team right now. And then the Seattle game is, was one of the weirdest basketball games. <laughs> one of the craziest thing, cause Minnesota was throttling Seattle the entire first half and even into the third quarter. Um, I believe, uh, yeah, the halftime score, I don't, I don't have the exact halftime score, but they were up by, they were up by 15. Minnesota was up by 15 heading into the, into the, into the half and then up by 10 heading into the fourth quarter. And then the last like four minutes of the game, like I I think like Seattle went on like a 30 and three run or like a 28 and three run yeah. or something, something crazy like that where the Seattle just absolutely, yeah. I, I, I had to look at it multiple times. And it looks fake. Photoshop. I was yeah. like, well, that sucks. Like, that, it's like the score with fun. like four and a half minutes left. And then the score with like 30, min- 30 seconds. It, it left. wasn't, if it was four minutes left in the third and then they gave up that run, I'd still be like, how does that happen? Especially with like a good coach at the helm. How does that yeah. happen? But it happened like four and a half minutes left. You're about to go into cruise control. Yeah. Like you're, you're about to be like, all right, they've got to foul us and we've got to just extend possessions and make, you know, two shots. Like <laughs> you don't have to do a lot, yeah. And boy, they yeah, they know how to give the up wheels with the best of came off. Yeah. But here's the thing: you can look at that and be like, "Wow, what an absolutely terrible showing." Or you can look at it and be like, "Hey, without Nafisa Collier, they were destroying early on this Seattle Storm team, and for all but four minutes of that game, were significantly the better team." And so I get there is concern because their expectations were so high. But I think if you look at the individual games, it's not as scary. However, (laughs) pull up the box score for these LA games. Okay. Uh, LA and Las Vegas. Let's take a look at that one. LA was out rebounded by Las Vegas, uh, 44 to 28. And not only that, Las Vegas had 12 blocks as a team against the Sparks. Then let's pop over to uh, when they played Dallas. All right. Now, Dallas, again, this is a, this is a one and two Dallas team. This is the lone Dallas like victory that has happened. Dallas out rebounded LA 45 to 25. Like there is no rebounding. There is minimal defense being played. Like LA is LA's in trouble. They got to figure it out and figure it out fast, or they're going to be treading. They're going to be battling Indiana for, for, you know, towards the bottom of this league. And, and that's, that's where I think my main concerns come from is, is yeah. we didn't expect them to do great, but they've done worse. And that's, that's sketchy. This is a good discussion. This is a good yeah, discussion. I, I am concerned <laughs> about Minnesota as well, uh, because not only do they not have um, Collier present, but even when she comes back, is that going to suddenly make all of her teammates better three-point shooters? Yeah, they've um, not been great behind the arc. They they are not just last in the league. They are like significant of what <laughs> yeah. they need to be. I mean... They, yeah, they're shooting 23% from beyond the arc this season. Um, obviously they picked up Kayla McBride in the off season, hoping to shore that up a little bit. She's not had a great start to the year. She's three of 14. Uh, excuse me. I think she's four of 13. Yeah. She's four of 13. And Crystal Dangerfield is actually shooting the best percentage from out there on the team. She's three of nine. Dantes is three of 14. Like everybody's mm-hmm. trying. Like it looks like Dangerfield, McBride and Demir's Dantes all have the green light and maybe they shouldn't. Um, Ariel Powers is also attempted six and only made one. It's just not good. It's not there uh, right it's now. Only, and you know, three point shooting is one small aspect of of a, of a basketball game, but um, prob- probably a different situation in that Seattle game if they could hit one um, to break up that run. And you know, I we just talked about the Dallas Wings. At least they've acquired shooters to hang with teams and you know be able to put up. You know, they've put up ninety five points this year in a game. 
you know, they're not going to necessarily win a lot of games if they can't figure out how to rebound and play defense. But at least right. they've got that. You know, they can, you know, if you're not careful, they can be dangerous. Right now, I'm not scared of this Minnesota Lynx team because they're kind of toothless on offense. And you have to have something from the outside or there's nothing punishing teams from just putting five people on Sylvia Fowles and <laughs> just being like, all right, well, if you want to beat us from outside, you can try. Uh, we know you can't. How how odd is it that uh, we've got Connecticut and New York right at the top of this league, and we've got two teams at the bottom right now that are just a couple years removed from back to back like multiple finals games against each other, like the top dogs for like a significant portion of the late you know twenty tens, like. Just clawing it for who Logan and yeah. I are most disappointed in. <laughs> yeah, well, and we're I talking mean, the New York's moves. this hot, this hot team that is must must see TV right now. Like, <laughs> who'd have fast. thought? Oh, there's, so fast. There's one of the kind of I think positive benefits of having so much talent in the league is if you don't get better every year, you're getting left behind. True. That's just how it is. Uh, I think Minnesota Lynx had a good off season. I don't think they're at full force yet. Um, when they are full force, we'll look back at this start, like maybe like we looked at the Sun starting last year, like one and five, and think, well, they still made the playoffs and they did some damage. So, you know, it ended up being an overreaction. All is well in Minnesota. That's probably, you know, a pretty likely outcome. Um, I hope right so. Now, right now, if you look across, I mean, their their numbers and their trends are down there with your playoff missers of the league with the Indiana Fever and Washington Mystics. And, so true. Uh, not Not so great for them right now. That's a bummer. That's a bummer segment. I hate that. That's dumb. <laughs> I, all those teams, we, we want you to get better. We want every team's fan base to be in the fun zone. Uh, we want every team to have wins to celebrate. Right now, things are just a little lopsided if you look at the standings. You've really got Connecticut and New York doing it. You've got a bunch of other teams. Not you know, I don't trust other teams to beat teams they should right now. And then Seattle who I've hesitated to talk about on this episode because they're not necessarily the story, but we should, uh, because I, I want to prepare our <laughs> listeners for what Seattle's about to do to the league. Um, <laughs> I, I think I have regrets already for some of my preseason predictions. And one of those is that I picked uh, Las Vegas to, to finish uh, as this year's champion, and I believe I picked them to finish as the number one overall seed. Yeah, all four of us had um, them as the number one overall. I, I think I had Seattle at three. I still believed in their talent. I just didn't think they were going to be one or two with, with Vegas and Chicago. I think Seattle is going to go 16 and four in their first 20 games. Ooh, really? I looked at their schedule. And I just kept and and by the way, that's being generous because I don't think they might even lose that many. Well, I know <laughs> they've got they've got several against like Dallas, Indiana, Atlanta. Like they've got a stretch here, so they play Connecticut next tomorrow. Probably as you guys are listening to this episode, um, they've got Connecticut, which obviously that's going to be a good game. And then from there, you got Minnesota who's struggling, Indiana, Dallas, Dallas, Atlanta, Atlanta. Uh, Connecticut again, then Indiana, Indiana, Washington. Like they've got, <laughs> this is a long stretch here. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, this think is a long I, stretch of teams that are not for likely to beat Seattle. We're going to, we're going to go on like, you know, we're going to go celebrate the 4th of July. And then we're, we're probably going to have an episode after that where we get back and we're all sunburnt and we're talking about our fourth. And then that next Friday, they'll play Phoenix. And I think there'll be 14 games, 15 games, 16 games above 500. Jeez. And I don't think anybody in the league is going to be within three games. I, yeah. I mean, they played really, <laughs> they played really, really good other than their one big loss to Las Vegas. And they didn't look great for the majority of that Dallas Wings game. But other than that, they look really solid. They still have, you know, probably four all-star level players right now on their squad. Um, Bree Stewart is, uh, you know, everything as advertised as she always is. And Jewel Lloyd is, if, if Jewel Lloyd was on yeah. almost, almost any other team right now, she's being talked about as much as Laney, Ionescu, Jones, 
she's being talked about like all yeah, of those players, but because yeah. she plays, you know, like just look at her stats. Like her stats get so buried because like Brie puts up unreal numbers, you know, and, and absolutely like has like the quietest game and drops like 35 and 12, you know, with like five blocks. I, I can't remember the exact stats, but it was something along those lines the other night that Brie had. I think it was against Dallas that like, and it didn't seem like she was doing all that much. <laughs> and yet she just was, it was throwing down it like was insane casual, numbers. Yeah. It, it's, I think it's going to be a challenge this year for Bree Stewart to even remain engaged at like full, like 100% like capacity because I think of a lot of the games pre Olympics this season, she's going to be able to basically sleepwalk through and get a double double, um, which yeah. is just insanity. Uh, Jewel Lloyd, as you said, if you were averaging 22 and five with two steals on any other team, you'd be getting MVP consideration. Instead, it's just, you know, <laughs> it's robbing up to Bree Stewart's Batman at this point. It's just like, hey, like, it's much harder to beat us when two of us are playing outstanding basketball. And if you don't like that, you can throw Jordan Canada and Katie Lou Samuelson out there. Um, Jordan Canada, I think, gets talked about some because she's another one of those candidates that's like, man, if she if she played on another team, how much more of a role would she have? She plays 21 minutes a game and it she just thrashes other teams' benches. Um, she's just she's a good third or fourth option on the offense. I love her game. Um, she's trying to she's kind of figuring out the assist game, you know, behind Sue Bird and Jewel Lloyd. Um, she's still she's averaging four assists a game, um, which makes sense because everybody on this team can score. Uh, they drew Seattle drew a lot of ire trading, uh, the number one pick for Katie Lucy Amielson last off season. And then she went overseas and had a really good year there. She's averaging 26 minutes a game and scoring nine points. Um, still has some, some things to figure out everywhere else, but she's taken, uh, and making about three threes a game. So she's a threat from the outside, opening things up for Brie inside. You got Ezzy Magvor doing her thing. Every time I get a chance to mention Ezzy on the show, I want to because I love her. Yes. As well. She's, I mean, that's, she's just quietly one of my favorite players in this league. The, this Seattle team did lose some defensive pieces, but they kept a lot of their offensive depth and it's showing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's they're going to have to outscore teams. And I mean, <laughs> they are. Look at the last game. Yeah. You know, when they played Dallas, they beat them 100 to 97. And even these other games that they, you know, they, they have yet to allow like, Oh, every, everybody's scoring 80 or more against them, you know, and two of the games they've given up, uh, uh, two of the games they've given up, you know, 97 and 96, like these are going to be, they're going to have to outscore the other team. And the fact that they're doing that is impressive. I, I get nervous if they get a little bit of a cold streak, if they start shooting threes similar to what we're seeing out of Minnesota, yeah, they're going to drop some games, probably to a bunch of teams that they shouldn't lose to. But I don't expect that to necessarily be the case because Bree and and Jewel Lloyd and Jordan Canada all can get to the basket and and uh, you know cut and and create outside of just the three point line. So yeah, I like the offensive yeah. game that Seattle's playing if, right now. If this is any, if this episode is any indication of how big that Connecticut Sun Seattle Storm game is tomorrow uh, on the 25th, if you're listening to this, um, watch that game because that's going to tell you a little bit about what these teams are capable of in the playoffs. Yep. Um, after that game, I, I, I hate to throw around sleepwalk. I shouldn't have done it a second ago with Bree Stewart. Like every team has a chance, I guess, but. I think we're going to be a week into July and I'd be surprised if the storm have lost more than four games at that point. That's, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> uh, that, that is a really, really, here's my concern. Seattle's going to have a back end of this schedule. That's got to be just brutal. Cause they're playing a lot of the lower end of the, <laughs> of the league here early on. Um, Logan, this has been a fantastic episode, man. I've, I've loved, I've loved this discussion. There's, there's so many other things that we want to talk about. There's, there's so many other highlights that we could, uh, we could mention. We haven't, we didn't mention a thing about Chicago or the aces. I think we like casually mentioned Phoenix, Atlanta, um, like all those teams that we didn't even get into. Like they're They're all, they're all looking for something still. Yep. I I don't think they've, they've really hit their groove yet. 
Yeah, they're all they're all still they're just sitting there in the middle of the pack. We're trying to figure it out a little bit. I think Las Vegas still has the tools, um, still has the opportunity and the potential. Um, I think Chelsea Gray and uh, Raquana Williams. I think you know we're gonna still find our footing. Kelsey Plum's coming, you know, uh, or not Kelsey Plum, uh, Liz Cambage. Uh, is, is yeah, back. I, yeah. I think this is a team that, you know, uh, has so much talent all of a sudden, like flooding their roster. It's going to take them a second to, to get used to it. And, uh, I, I still feel good about Las Vegas. I still think they're looking solid. Um, but yeah, there's, a, there's still, a lot of other storylines that we didn't still, even touch and we're already almost nearly an hour into the episode. Yeah. I mean, we're an hour into the episode and we're two weeks into the season guys. Like, right. We, I keep going back to it, but like the Sparks have played two games. It's, it's so early. In fact, this is a question I saw posed on Twitter, and I have an answer to it. I was wondering if yours was similar. It probably is. How many games into the season do you think is necessary before you decide this is who that team is? This is the truth about that team. Um, I think the earliest that I'm like this is who they are is about a third of the a third of the season is when yeah. I start to like really figure it out. I think, I think a quarter of the season is a little early. You start to get an idea and some teams will establish it by that point. Some team, some teams will, um, but other teams it, in order to have a real good view of how the league is as a whole team by team, you gotta, you gotta get a third of the way through. Um, the hard part about the WNBA is that we've got Olympic breaks and, and yeah. whatnot. And that I think that pre Olympics, post Olympics is going to be very telling. I think you might see a team like Washington. Um, you might see a team, um, like, uh, you know, uh, perhaps like Minnesota that, you know, that after Olympics could be a, a lot more significant or Las Vegas. You know, there, there's several of these, these teams, Chicago even that have, have a lot of like Olympic connections that are that are taking some attention that could be a little bit different post Olympics than pre pre Olympics. But as far as the general vibe of, of how the team's looking, yeah, about 10 games into the season is, is when I'm going to start to feel a little more comfortable about that. Yeah. We're, we're almost exactly aligned there. I think 10 games into the season uh, is about where you can start saying, or at least you have to stop saying, well, it's still early, right? right. There's 32 games. At 10, you can't use that as an excuse anymore. There's still time to turn things around, but if you're, you know, two and eight or three and seven, 10 games in the season, you can no longer say like, well, it's still early. Like this figure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I think just a little while later, I think the next week, like 12 games into the season, you are what your record says you are. And that's, I think when on this show, we're going to start looking at the standings. Yes. Uh, right now we look at, you know, who's fun, who's, under expectations. That's kind of been the theme of today. Like, I, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but I put up my little chart of like, like expectations, expectations versus fun and not having <laughs> very much fun, but that, that has no, I, I mean, I love, that is not a barometer for like, who's going to finish there. Right. Like, right. Don't start watching the standings until mid June when right. we're 11, 12 games into the season. <laughs> I love that you did that. And, uh, and Steve, Kind of mentioned it in our chat, your little, you know, chart that you put up and Steve goes, Oh, Logan wants some, uh, he wants some smoke on Twitter. All right. Here we go. Like he's going to frustrate some people. It was a mistake. It was a mistake. I'll, I'll see if right. I continue to do that, but that's, I really think me. You got to stand by your take. To, I like it. When you get to about June 20th and every team has played between 11 and 12 games, you start, you start standings watching a little bit and you say, yeah. what is, you know, what do my team have to do to get back to first place or to get in the playoffs? Things like that. Well, Logan, as we go to wrap things up, I've got uh, a couple of five star reviews that I need to read. Yes. Uh, it's been a couple episodes since we've read, uh, read some of these out and I've got two in particular that we need to give a shout out to some people who have given us five star reviews, um, in the last couple of weeks here. Um, we need a drop and have, for that. Can and Jason have written give us a drop for five star reviews. Five star reviews. Whatever that was, I, it it was beautiful. <laughs> so uh, May eleventh, uh, ACW Word Genius uh, sent a review that said, "Love these guys," uh, uh, and they said, "True fans who love the WNBA." 
the players, coaches, and fans. It's a joy to listen to them. If you are a women's basketball fan, subscribe because their content is legit. That's a great review. I appreciate that's a great that review. Thank that's you. Super solid review. Thank you for that. Um, you know, we, we, the fact that you find us a joy to listen to, uh, is, is touching. Thank you. Um, and then we've got one other review here that is, uh, it's, it's a little longer, but it's really solid. Um, this, uh, this came on May 16th by Maddie, uh, said, love these dudes. Uh, we, so we got one titled love these guys and the next one, love these dudes. All right. So <laughs> here we go. Uh, this said, I stumbled across this podcast when I was on Apple podcast. I already listened to podcasts like around the rim and locked on, um, fantastic podcast, both of them, by the way. So if you, uh, if you happen to uh, be listening to our show, make sure you're giving them a, a, a chance as well. Said that it gave uh, them suggestions like Double Down, Windsider, Her Hoop Stats. Again, all good friends of ours. We are not the only WNBA podcast out there. If you, if you want to, you know, try some of these other ones out, we are not against that, uh, at all. Um, it said, I enjoy all of them, but it also suggested WNBA Nation. I have to say, I love that these guys have a passion for women's basketball. It is always nice to see other guys with a passion for the game. Also, shout out to Steve for picking Phoenix. I'm a huge Diana fan, and she's my all-time number one. Sue Bird is my number two. It doesn't come close to my fandom for D. I've been hoping they win another title, and I hope Steve is correct. Kyle, what happened to you not picking them after always <laughs> picking them? So I get I get the call out in this in this review. Wow. That uh that I didn't I didn't continue to always pick uh the Mercury to to make the finals. So I apologize to Maddie. I'll I'll apologize on mic right now. Um it said I had to call you guys out on that one. Keep up the great work, guys. Uh, Maddie, appreciate that. The fact that, that that review shows how much they listened to that episode and like made episode specific comments, that means a lot. So appreciate both of those from ACW Word Genius and also Maddie as well. Thank you for, for hitting us up with a five star review and for, uh, for writing up an actual review as well. That helps a ton. Um, get our show noticed. And when our show gets noticed by people outside of the WNBA and they're just checking out different uh, podcasts, we like to think that we play just a tiny part. And if we can get just a couple more eyes on the, on the game each season, then it's worth our time and effort in putting this podcast together. So thanks for those reviews. We appreciate them. That's so, that's so cool. I love our listeners and I love that Maddie was willing to take no prisoners there with, uh, with your lack. <laughs> Threw me into the bus, and, man, <laughs> uh, man, that's, that's so cool. Cause as you said, uh, the league is growing, the coverage is getting better all the time and we're really happy to be a part of that. And so we want obviously more eyes and ears on the show. And then, uh, by virtue of that on the league so that we have more people to talk about it with. And I know when we were getting into, uh, the league, it was kind of like, well, we, we need something like this. Like, I'd love to listen to something that can catch me up on the games that maybe I missed or the players I need to watch out for. And so hopefully you learned something today. Uh, if you didn't know who Kalia Copper or, or, uh, Marina Mabry, uh, Marina or, yeah. Mabry were before this episode, now you're going to see them play and be like, you know what? I think those guys were talking about her and you're going to notice that, uh, they're balling. So very excited about that. Shout out to all the five star reviews out there. We really appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for jumping on. If you were on the Twitch stream and contributing to this, uh, I really enjoyed kind of our, our back and forth about who's fun, who's not so hot right now. We've got expectations <laughs> weighing down a couple teams, but it's going to be okay, guys. Lynx fans, Merc fans, maybe Sparks fans. It's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to, you're, there is a light, you know, a Mystics fans. I know we didn't touch hey, on you guys. Mystics, much, you, you guys got, uh, Heinz Allen coming back. Yeah. So. That's got that's that's got that counts for it's, something. It's so early. It's so early. Seven games from now, we'll start standings, watch, and stuff like that. But until then, right. you're going to get episodes regularly from us uh, leading <laughs> up through. And obviously, <laughs> I'm sorry. Not. We just we just got a message <laughs> in our Twitch chat. We got to give a shout out. Twitch chat has been on fire tonight, y'all. This has been <laughs> this has been a great night on Twitch. If you guys aren't aren't coming out and checking out our Twitch episodes. And and listening to us as we record this live, you're missing out because the discussion has been just awesome tonight. So uh, one of our one of our Twitch uh, family here says, uh, "Don't lie to L.A. Logan. <laughs> it's not going to be okay." You, you don't know. You know we we stay optimistic on this show. We, we uh, we've got we've got players we root for, but we don't really have players or teams we root against unless it's me and Kyle on episode, and then it's you know we root against the Sparks, but. 
we <laughs> no, that's not true. We we want what's best for LA. We want them to rebound from from losing Parker. Uh, it's better for the league when everybody's good and everybody's having fun. So uh, things are going to continue to change. A lot of takes that we probably have uh, spoken about on this episode. I bet by the time we get to the Olympic break, we're going to look back and be like, ooh, oh, ooh. Like we're going to have different perspective a couple weeks from now. So obviously stay tuned in to what we've got going on here. We're going to continue to bring you episodes on the regular schedule, which has been about twice a week. Uh, I might be in a rusty old car headed to Oregon by the time we record next, but I know Kyle and Steve and Jason are going to have you guys covered. Uh, but thanks for tuning in for today's episode. And as always, check us out on Twitter, Twitch. Um, you can go to our, our merch store and use coupon code WNBA Nation or uh, com is where you can get some cool shirts and uh, all of that. So if you're a longtime listener, you know all that, but there's the plugs for you new folks. And uh, thank you. This was fun. Uh, until next time, for WNBA Nation, I am Logan Jones. I'm Kyle Haywood. And we got you next time.